0: Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Meltem Burak. I'm the host and producer of the podcast, SESTA. We aim to harness the power of arts and culture to foster conversation and build peace in Cyprus. I'll be your guest host for this month of Womanica. Today, we're talking about a woman who took on the federal government to reinstate recognition for indigenous nations. Her story will show you how a peaceful relationship with Earth directly connects to peace among people. Let's talk about Ingrid Vashinavatak. Ingrid was born on July 31, 1957. She was a descendant of celebrated Menominee leaders. The Menominee name her grandfather gave her translates to Flying Eagle Woman. Ingrid grew up in Chicago but she spent her summers visiting family on the Menominee Indian Reservation in northern Wisconsin. That was where her heart leaped. Ingrid enjoyed biking down old logging roads, walking in the forest, and swimming in Menominee lakes and rivers. Ingrid grew up during the time of Indian termination. During the 1950s and 60s, the federal government tried to end their obligations as trustees to native tribes. Obligations which were outlined in hundred-year-old treaties between sovereign tribes and the federal government. Termination essentially put an end to existing protections, cutting off the little government support that existed and revoking tribal sovereignty. The result disintegrated infrastructures and tribal communities and collapsed their economies. Many people were plunged into poverty. The government targeted tribes that were economically successful In high school, Ingrid became involved in efforts to push Congress to repeal these policies and reinstate recognition of tribes. In 1973, the Menominee Nation succeeded. Ingrid continued her activism at the University of Minnesota, where she joined the American Indian Movement. While studying in Cuba, she met her future husband, a young Palestinian man named Ali Al-Issa. They married in Syria and raised their son in New York City, where Ingrid worked for the International Indian Treaty Council. In a new city with her young family, Ingrid found strength in community and memory. She wrote about the night of October 12, 1992. The native community in New York was celebrating an hour of silence for Mother Earth. In their house, Ingrid and Ali unplugged their electric appliances and Turn off the lights and spend the night telling stories around the dinner table. With our stories, we carried our son in another epoch, she wrote. My husband and I told stories about our childhood. I decided to narrate the funny ones. I think this will keep alive his bond with the older aunts and uncles whom he met but doesn't necessarily have a continuous relationship with. This makes them more alive and present. Now my son has a link a threat that connects him to our pasts, which are a part of him." As a peace builder, Ingrid looked to the past for lessons on how to build the future. She knew peace required constant work. That philosophy guided her while co-founding the Indigenous Women's Network, which educated younger generations on the historical struggles of women. She also worked as the executive director of the Fund for Four Directions to revitalize indigenous languages. In an essay on peace, she denounced the theft of indigenous land in the name of better use. Ingrid believed the wealth of the world comes from the earth. As we destroy the ability of the earth to sustain us, we lose the ability to address the chronic needs of the poor, the hungry, and the landless. Until we make peace with earth, she wrote, there will be no peace in the human community. In 1999, Ingrid was invited to Colombia with three other activists to help the indigenous Uwa community establish an education program for children and help fight a bid for oil exploration in the area. On February 25th, they were kidnapped. In early March, their bodies were found on the Venezuelan border. The Colombian FARC rebel group later took responsibility for the killings. Ingrid was 41 years old. Ten years after her death, the Uva people sent a letter of remembrance to the families of activists. It read, For us, they're not dead. Their life work and their memory live on. We thank them for their dedication and time offered for our culture, for our spiritual leaders, and for the balance of planet Earth and Mother Nature. Uva children and elders remember them at every sunset. Their shadows still walk with us, accompanying us along the path of resistance. All month we're talking about peacebuilders. For more information, find us on Facebook and Instagram at Womanica Podcast. Special thanks to co-creators Jenny and Liz Kaplan for having me as a guest host. Talk to you tomorrow.